If you come to Salem Baptist Church website, you're going to see that statement as the beginning, the very first thing that will grab your attention. We have a purpose statement that says, finding and pursuing life in Jesus. Our website says off the bat, what we're about is finding and pursuing life with Jesus. So my question this morning is, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? What has grabbed your attention? When we think of a definition of pursuing, pursuing has that thought of chasing, to chase, to run after, to seek, to attain. It may be for a young man, he's pursuing a young lady. To attain, as Tyler did, an engagement, a yes to a proposal, congratulations. He's been pursuing, and now he's getting closer to the accomplishment. Sometimes it's pursuing a degree, as we have these young men in college and others here who are pursuing an academic achievement. It may be something that you're trying to do sports-wise. You're going after something to engage in an activity. What are you pursuing? When we think of this word pursuing from a biblical standpoint, we're going to find it in the Bible quite a few times. Uh, the Apostle Paul chooses to use this word twice as he's discipling his young son in the faith, Timothy. He's going to challenge Timothy to redirect what he is going after. He is going to challenge him to have a different pursuit. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, he is going to tell him to pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love, endurance and gentleness. And that's opposed to the things of this world, the things that, that, that would satisfy some people worldly, he knows isn't going to satisfy us completely. He says, Paul, he says, Timothy, you've got to go after these things, 1 Timothy 6, 11. And then in chapter 2, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, one of the most important verses, he says to Timothy, flee youthful passions. Now, that's not just for young people. The older we get, we can still have those youthful passions passions. Flee them. The word flee, to be a fugitive. Run. Get away from them. Don't go after these things. Rather, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call them the Lord with a pure heart. Paul says, Timothy, pursue. Run after these things. This word pursues not just in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. Proverbs 21, 21 says, He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Here we're seeing the benefits of pursuing 
the right things. Now, we're not pursuing righteousness for salvation, but this is the righteousness of living right now that you are saved. And when you do this, I mean, look at those three benefits. Life, prosperity, and honor. You're pursuing the right things. Good things come. However, however, we're going to see the word pursue used differently with different results. Proverbs 11, 19. It gives us a contrast of what happens when we're not pursuing righteousness, when we pursue the wrong things. As righteousness leads to life, we've seen that, he now says, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Wow, talk about your contrast. Now, folks, I've asked the question this morning, what are you pursuing? Why? Because you can be pursuing things that will take you on a wrong path to destruction, to death. It brings no satisfaction. Or you can be, be, be pursuing things that are right, that are good, that are going to bring many benefits to your life. You can be pursuing wrong things. You can be pursuing right things. Now, as we said, this word is used many times. Let me just highlight quickly just a couple more things that we see the word pursue being used for us to do. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love. Pursue love. That comes right after 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. And as I spoke to students this past week at Montana Christian College, I, I told them about how difficult it can be to love. And at times we have to remind ourselves what's in 1 Corinthians 13. And I give this statement, some of you have heard before, the time a person deserves love the most the, the time a person needs love the most is when they deserve it the least. And that's 1 Corinthians 13. And so we have to pursue love to show love to people who don't deserve love. He then says in, to the Thessalonians, Paul will say to them that we're to pursue not doing evil to them, but that we will do that which is good for them. He says, he says see that no one renders evil to, to, for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourself and for others. I'm supposed to be looking out for the interest of others. And then Romans 14, 19, therefore let us pursue the things which makes for peace and for the things by which one may edify another. If I polled you right now on what you thought of the moment I asked the question, what are you pursuing? Are these part of your answers? Are these the things that you are pursuing? What are you pursuing? What are you giving yourself to? What are you chasing after? And I do think there are times where we need to pause and evaluate ourselves. Do I have the right pursuits Am I keeping the main thing the main thing? I can take those things that should be at the top of my list 
and move them down almost to the point where they're forgotten. And all of a sudden, I've got things that I'm chasing after, as my grandmother would say, don't mean a hill of beans. We should be pursuing right things. So this morning, I want to highlight with you just two things that I believe with all my heart, as we look at pursuing life with Jesus, it needs to be toward or at the very top of our list of what we're pursuing. What are you pursuing? Well, number one, I'm going to say to you this morning, you need to be pursuing knowing God. You need to be pursuing knowing God. He, Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. Hosea chapter 3, verse 6, said, six three says, Let us pursue the knowledge of God. Does that something that is part of your life today? That you've said, I'm in a pursuit to know God. Are you engaged in a pursuit of knowing who your God is? I'm going to put a few verses before you right now. And as I put the verses before you, I want you to, to contemplate them as verses that speak of a great passion, a passion to know God. For instance, Psalms 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. A thirsty deer pants, I've got to have and then David says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Can you feel the passion that comes from Psalms 42, 1 and 2? Would that describe your thinking on how much you want to know God? I have to have him. I must have him. I've got to know who he is. David would say in Psalms 27, verse 4, One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, pursue, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. To behold the beauty. That's telling us who God is right there. David says, I've got to know more about him. He is so beautiful and wonderful and magnificent. I've got to know him. We think about the Apostle Paul. And when we think about his passion to know God, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. And if we would read the verses that continue on, verses 11 through 14, uh, gentlemen, uh, it's like Paul says, I've got to put on a full court press to get to know God. A full court press. He'll use the word press and press and press over and over about, I've got to know God. I've got to know his will for my life. I've got to achieve what he wants me to achieve. There's a prize. There's a championship. I've got to be going for. 
Paul says, I've got to know my God, a full court press. Do you have a full court press on to know God? And you know, when you go back to David for a moment, who, who has this, like a deer pants after the water brooks, David didn't just want himself to know God. He wanted his son to know God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 9, it says, As for you, my son Solomon. Now, here's a father passing a baton to his son. What's the next statement he's going to say? Know God. A father's desire, I want my son above all things, know God, know the God of your father, Solomon. This has to be a top priority and serve him. Yes, serve him. Yes, serve him. But before serving him, you've got to know him. What a passionate statement from David as Peter is wrapping up his letter. He, he's been challenging the readers to understand the difficulties that are coming, the persecutions that are coming. But in that second letter, he's also dealing with the fact there's a lot of false prophets and there's a lot of error. And so he's going to say to them, last statement of Second Peter, verse 18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But grow in the knowledge. There's passion here for a pursuit to make knowing God a top priority. And I ask you this morning, is that your top priority? Is there within your soul, I must know God. I have to have Him. We think of illustrations, and I like to use my illustrations from the Bible. Decisions have to be made to know God. And, and we've had a Bible study for our ladies uh, on Mary of Bethany. And for Mary of Bethany, there was a decision, a difficult decision that was made one day. Jesus is in the house. They're going to serve him a wonderful meal. They're going to be, uh, they're going to be very gracious to him, hospitable to him. But Mary says, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Hold, uh, oh, I know I need to be in the kitchen helping Sister Martha, but... It says, she sat at the feet of Jesus. She wanted to know him. She wanted to know him. And so instead of serving, she sat. And it looks bad, but, but Jesus will come along after Martha chastises him and will say, Mary made the right choice. And life is about your priorities. You make your choices, and then your choices make you. And here's Mary saying, I know I've got to serve him, but before I serve him, I'm going to sit at his feet, and I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to learn about him. If you say to me, I want to know God, you're going to have to carve out time to do so. You're going to have to make time weekly. You're going to have to make time daily to get to know him. Do you make time to get to know God? Why do we need to get to know God? Why is this such an important thing 
to do? Well, I would say it this way. The more you grow to know God, the more you grow to love God. The more you grow to know God, the more you grow to love God. Now, when we think of top priorities, Jesus got asked one day, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? Hear, O Israel, Lord, your God is one. Hear, O Israel, now, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Everything that's about you is to be loving God. Well, how am I going to love God if I don't know who He is? But I open up this book and I begin to read about God. And yes, I read of a holy God, but I'm also reading of a merciful God. I'm reading of a God that is righteous, but I'm reading of a God that is gracious. And I begin to read that there is throughout Scripture a love story. And I find I stand amazed at how much He loves me. I don't know how your quiet time goes, but um, I find my private place, and I find my chair, and I'm alone, and I'm reading Scripture about a God that loves me. He commended His love toward me, and while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. There is no greater love that one would show for a friend than to lay down his life for me. And I can't help, but I start singing. I, I, I sing, I, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love a sinner condemned unclean. Wow. And then I begin to sing, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. How much do I love him? Well, he, I love him because he first loved me. And as I understand that unconditional, sacrificial love, my love cannot help but swell up and grow. And then I'm ready to sing the chorus, I love you, Lord. And y'all are glad right now that I'm not breaking into song. But I want to. I love you, Lord, and I lift up my voice to you. I just want him to know I love him. The more I grow to know, the more I'm going to love him. The more you grow to know about God, the more you grow to trust God. Trust God. And the life we're living right now is a life of trust, a life of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. And whether we are in grade school or whether we are senior saints, we're living a life of trust. And, and that trust, we, it never stops. Now, for me, campus pastor at Liberty, I, 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 I would give to students Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 over and over and over and over. Uh, guys, I'd give you Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 because you're at these incredible moments of making decisions of what are you doing with your life and where are you going? And you got to have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But you know what, VW? I got to have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 at 62. And I think there's some people in the 70s and 80s, they still need Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Uh, being at Word of Life, it gave us a chance to go to the Word of Life Chapel. And I, I got to hear one of my mentors who did not know he was one of my mentors. I'd never met the man, but I've read his books, Ray Pritchard. And Ray Pritchard's preaching in the Word of Life Chapel. And, and oh my word, he, he, he takes 18 and 19 year olds where? To Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Wow. And he said, You got to trust. You got to trust in the Lord with all your heart, leaning not on your own understanding, in all your ways. Acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. And he got to that word acknowledge. And, and this great Bible scholar, pastor, he says, when it comes to these words in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, acknowledge is a difficult one to really understand from the Hebrew. It's only in the Hebrew one time. What, what does it mean to acknowledge? How do you explain the word? The, the Hebrew, one word, only used one time. But if you break it down and get into the, the root of this word, it means to speak with intimate knowledge. Intimate knowledge. Adam knew Eve. It speaks of that word for, for a husband to know his wife, a wife to know her husband. It's face to face. And so, as I'm trusting God, I'm trying to understand what I should be doing to acknowledge this, to be able to, I know you so well, Father. Ooh, what a word. That's what we call him. Of all the words we call God, the word is Father. If you've been born again, the Spirit of God comes in and we cry out, Father, face to face, I, I need to know what do you want me to do? And you have such a trust because you know who he is so well, you know he has your best interest in mind. He has your best interest in mind. And now he's going to give you the direction to go. And the statement I've used is total dependence on God. The God that you know gives trustworthy direction. God gives you. Why do I need to know God so that I can trust him? And I believe this, that the more you grow to know God, the more you grow to want to make him known. The more you grow to know about God, the more you grow to want to make God known. Uh, this was our first time ever being in Montana. And, and so once it's on Facebook, I start getting messages and I start getting text messages of what I must see in places I must go to eat because there have been people who have been there and they wanted me to see what they had seen and they wanted me to eat things that they had eaten. They were trying to give us some great suggestions and, and, I, and I've, I never put anything back. I did get some questions like, how come you didn't? But I didn't go to Montana to see 
uh, Glacier Falls. I, I didn't go there to, to see buffalo and elk and moose, uh, grizzly bear. I didn't go there. I went to see people and to invest and impact it with people. But, but they were telling us, and I kept thinking, they know something I don't know, and because it was such a great experience for them, they wanted me to know. And when you begin to know God, you can't help but want other people to know what you know. When you've experienced incredible love toward a person who did not deserve it, who is the chief of sinners among us in this room? We all have an argument, don't we? That God would love me blows my mind because I could not love me. How could I love a rebellious, wicked person? You look at yourself. How could God love you? But as you understand that he loved you and died for you. You want others to know. And that leads me this morning to say not only do I believe your passion of a pursuit should be to know God? Number two, we should be pursuing making God known. When we talk about our top priorities. What are we about as a church? Knowing God and making Him known. Knowing God and making Him known. Yes, questions can be penetrating. Do you have a burden for the lost? Do you have a burden for the lost? I know the Apostle Paul does. We're studying the book of Romans, and Romans chapter 9 opens with these words. These are words that when I attended the Crystal Bible College in 1982, went into evangelism class, these were some of the first verses that I was to memorize. Because Dr. Paige Patterson said, for you to be an evangelist, you need to have a burden. Do you have a burden? And he read for us, these words from the Apostle Paul. I tell you the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. What? Paul, what's, what, what's broken your heart? He says, my heart is broken for I wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Paul so wanted to see his countrymen saved. He said, I wish I could be the one that took their place in hell. Now, that's brokenness right there, folks. That's a burden for the lost right there. Uh, another illustration this morning from the Bible on this burden we go to the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 7. There's a famine going on, and there's, there's, there's the Midianites that are attacking, and the Israelites are in trouble, and there's some lepers, and these lepers, they're starving, and they begin to realize, it is not good where we're at, and maybe it just might be better with the enemy. We're going to die one way or another. Let's just go to the enemy's camp. And the story in 2 Kings 7 is the lepers go into the camp where the Midianites were, and they're gone. And the camp is, is still there with the, the tents and the food. 
And starving men find food and they start eating it. It's a day of jubilee. They found food. And all of a sudden, one of them, I don't know which one, but one of them looked at the other and said, uh, we're in trouble. We're not doing right. And he says, and they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Let us go and tell. We found food. And folks, soul winning, soul winning. Can I just boil it down? Soul winning is one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. I should have got an amen. Soul winning is one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That's all you're doing. And here these lepers are realizing, we've got to go and tell. Go and tell. Well, let me make it practical this morning. How do I make it practical to go and tell? Well, I'm going to go to another verse from the Apostle Paul, chapter 10, verse 1. In chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire, and we've already seen the heart's desire from chapter 9. He is so broken, he wished he could be accursed. And prayer is for God, to God, for Israel, is that they may be saved. And here's how I do it. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, take out Israel, put a blank, is that they may be saved. And you now create a most wanted list. You create a most wanted list of who you want to see saved. Who do you want to see saved? A family member? You got a family member that you want to see saved? I had family members I wanted to see saved. I saw two of my sisters get saved. I saw cousins get saved. Family members. Family members. Friends. I still have friends that are not saved. Neighbors, associates, teammates, co-workers. That list could go on. Who do you want to see saved? And you take their name and you put it in that list. Instead of Israel, you put their name and you start praying for them to be saved. And then you start looking for opportunities to witness to them. Let's don't complicate this, folks. We should be telling our friends, praying for our friends, family, associates, relatives, neighbors, that they would come to know the Lord. And this morning, I'm asking a question of you What are you pursuing? What are you giving your time, your energy, your money? What are you pursuing? What are you going after? What are you chasing? And does it matter with your answer? Is your answer this morning, I am pursuing to know God?
I am pursuing to make him known. I want him known here. I want him known in my community. I want him known in my state. I want him known in my country. I want him known around the world. That's what I'm living for. What's your pursuit? This morning, inventory time. Inventory time. If I got the right priority for what I am pursuing, knowing God and making him known. That's for the believer in the room this morning. And I'll come back to you in just a moment. But it's possible this morning you're here, you're watching online, and you don't know the Lord Jesus. You don't know him as Father, God as Father, because you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. There's never been a time where you ask him to save you. I, I was asked as a late teenager, early 20, if you, Dwayne, were to die today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And I said, I hope so, but I don't think so. Don't you want to know? And there was a little bit of me at that late teen, I, I really didn't. I didn't care. I'm not going to die anytime soon. But I knew one thing. I did not know for sure if I died, I would go to heaven. And then later on, I was asked, do you want to know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? And I said, yes, I do. And someone showed me from the Word of God how I could call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I said, Lord Jesus, I know something right now. I'm a sinner. But I've read that you died for me. And I read that you rose from the dead. And you have paid the price for my filthy sins. And today you'll offer me the gift of eternal life if I'll ask you for it. So I'm asking, by faith, I don't understand it, but I'm saying, Lord Jesus, save me. And on February the 15th, 1983, the Lord Jesus saved me. Now this morning, to you watching online, to you that are sitting before me, I'm offering an invitation. And on this date, what I'm doing has a little significance to it. Because on October the 8th, 1871, a fire was started. Maybe by a cow kicking over a ladder, we don't truly know, but a fire was started in Chicago, and thousands would lose their lives. That very night, D.L. Moody preached and he did not give an invitation. And he went to his grave with a burden. I wonder how many people went to hell because I did not extend an invitation for people to be saved the night of the great Chicago fire. And this morning on October the 8th, 2023, I extend an invitation 
Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, not Dwayne saying this, Scripture says it, today is the day of salvation. So if you're here today and you've never been born again, you've never been saved, and you want to be saved today, you can see me, Pastor Rick, you can see some of our deacons and some of our wonderful ladies here and say, I need to be saved. I want to know for sure when I die I'm going to heaven. That's to the lost. Now back to us. Like me who's already a believer now. How's your pursuit of knowing God going? Taking a back burner, going to the back of the bus, going to the back of the room. Is it something you're putting on the back burner? Not interested in now? Waning? Does that need to change? God, I need to know you more. And what about a burden for, G- for lost people? Maybe today there's somebody on your heart, you need to just come and kneel and say, Lord, I want them saved. I know how close they are to hell right now, and my heart breaks for them like the Apostle Paul. I want them saved. And you're going to come, and you're going to kneel, and you're going to say, Lord Jesus, save my friend, save my family member. Lord Jesus, save my neighbor. Lord Jesus, please save my coworker. The invitation is being extended. Our team comes to lead us in singing, and the song is, Jesus paid it all. Wow, what a song. He did. So if you want to be saved today, you can. And today, we need to make him known that Jesus did pay it all. Let's pray. And team, leading the singing, please come. Father, this morning, thank you that we can know you. You could be distant, far away, with no interest in us. But you are mindful of us. And so mindful of our need of salvation, you sent your son to die for us. Who then rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, hell, Satan. He rose victorious, and now he offers to every one of us this beautiful, wonderful, phenomenal, awesome gift of eternal life if we'll only trust him. I pray today, Father, that if there's someone here that does not know you, this will be the day of salvation for them. That they will truly put their eternal salvation on you. They will call on you to be saved. And Father, I pray for our church and fellow believers that there will be a pursuit in our heart like a deer pants after the water brook to know you to know you, and then like the Apostle Paul, to have a broken heart, a passion, and a pursuit to make you known to a world that needs you. Do a work right now in each one of our hearts that we'll be glad that we have responded to when we stand before you. And we pray this in Christ's name.